Awesome. Good. All right. Good. Well, we're, uh, we're finishing up the uh, Awakening series, and that means little to you, but it means a lot to me. We have uh, walked through the uh, book of Colossians uh, that Paul has written for us, and uh, we're at the very end. We have one full chapter to go through. It's going to go quick today. Uh, but we open this series by, <clears throat> by me telling you a story that, that one time I was, I was dreaming, and I, you know, I was in the middle of this dream. It wasn't a bad dream. It wasn't necessarily a good dream. But I was walking through this dream. And, I, and if you've ever had this, I knew that I was dreaming. I actually knew and was cognizant that I was dreaming. So knew in the dream that I was dreaming. Uh, it, was, it was very Inception-like. I don't know why. But I, and, and then I had a moment where I actually said, you know, I just have to wake myself up. And I started hitting myself or pinching myself. And, and for, for whatever reason, I just couldn't do it. Uh, and, and I couldn't wake up from this dream. And I think there's a lot of us that are walking around and what we think is our perfect dream of what we have worked for all of our life. We've gotten uh, our education down pat. We've gotten a good job. We've gotten a good house. And we've walked through what we think is the American dream. We've got everything that we've always wanted. But then we kind of come to a place where we're just like, you know, I'm not really sure this is it. I just feel kind of unsatisfied as to where I am. I want something more. Is this truly, quote unquote, the life that we've that I've always wanted? Or is there something more to that? And so we've asked a lot of questions through this series that Paul um, brings uh, brings us through. I mean, asking who this Jesus is, what is the gospel, and then moving towards practical questions. I loved last week when I had uh, Adrian up here to to speak directly to our wives about uh, what this whole submission attitude should be and what that means. Uh, and I think that our the life that we've always wanted has been much different than what we thought, and that. Jesus really is the ultimate perception of what we should be. Uh, so we come to the end, and Paul kind of uh, front loads all of the theology, all the deep stuff. So if you're here at the beginning of the series, you got the really deep stuff. And then uh, towards the end, we've been kind of doing some bullet-pointed practical advice kind of things. And so today, he ends it with mission, as he usually does with, with, the, uh, with the end of his epistles. It always ends with, I'm going to send you out. Here's where you're going. This is how you're going to take the gospel into a lost world. And so I love this stuff. I love how we get to come to the end. We come to the end of these truths, and then we start pushing towards the darkness. And that's what we want to do. But before we do that, let me tell you what's going on. Uh, and this is a fun day. You'll see the table up front. This is the first day that we'll do uh, the Lord's Supper or communion. So I'm excited about that process, and I'll explain that a little bit later in the sermon. Um, <clears throat> but let me tell you about where we're going. We're ending today with the Awakening series. Joel is preaching next weekend. Uh, I believe he's preaching out of uh, Luke 17, talking about thankfulness as worship. Not in worship, but as worship. I love that. Um, after that, we'll go through a three-week series on Christmas, which I'm really excited about, called Through Their Eyes. And we're going to be preaching by telling the story of the, uh, I guess, the three personalities that, that were in the manger the day, the day that Jesus was born. So we're going to look at the story of Christmas through Mary's eyes, and then the next week through Joseph's eyes. And then we're going to look at the story of Christmas through the shepherd's eyes and how we should uh, react or the practical principles that we can gain from them, which I'm pretty excited about. At the end of that, in our last service of the year, which is December 18th, we'll have a, a great baptism service and a sending out service, which I'm pretty excited about. Then in January, we'll come back after a couple weeks off. In January, we've been floating around these ideas of missional communities or our small group program. We're going to be starting that in early February. And so Joel and I are going to be uh, sharing in January over, over those weeks on what is a missional community? What is a small group supposed to do with in our church, and how are you supposed to get plugged in with that? Um, 
And then immediately following that and through the spring, we're going to do something called Overcome, which is a series on some of the most difficult things that we go through in our lives, whether it be addiction, um, whether it be uh, abuse or struggle or debt or, uh, you know, all these kind of very harsh things that we go through our lives and how Jesus has overcome the world literally and how he has overcome these things in our lives and that he wants to allow, he wants us to rest in him and how we can then overcome some of these struggles that we have in our lives. So I'm pretty excited about where God is taking us in the next few months. Uh, and, I, and I pray that today as we end up the awakening series that we would truly come to this place in our life where we would awaken to Christ. So let's pray together and we'll begin. <clears throat> Father, I'm grateful for a chance to read your word this morning. I'm excited for new faces in the room today. Uh, Father, I'm thankful for our team who worked so hard to make today happen. Uh, And I I pray that we would have a chance to celebrate you today. Um, That it wouldn't be just kind of solemn, and uh, but it would be a a moment of celebration today. Uh, As we finish something and as we look towards the future, uh, Father, I pray that we'd come in uh, just recognition of your grace in our lives. We love you. You know, we pray. Amen. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter four, uh, Colossians chapter four, we're going to read verse two through 18. Now, uh, the first couple of verses, I'm going to really hone in and focus in on the first couple of verses. Uh, but here, I'm also going to read verse seven through 18. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, this is, uh, there's some names in here that you would think like with a seminary degree, I would be able to pronounce these. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, you know, go through this passage and say the names really quickly. So it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. So that's the plan. Uh, and, and so don't make fun of me as I go through these names, uh, in this passage, but let's look at uh, verse two uh, through 18. It says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make, make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to, uh, sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we, are, how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, uh, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, uh, concerning whom... Uh, you, uh, you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have uh, been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, and so does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read of the church of Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to, uh, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. 
So what does all this have to do with you? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of language, especially in uh, verse 7 through 18. Uh, it's, it's, it's regular correspondence. And what we need to gain from this, I think, is the knowledge that these are real people. These, have, these real people have real friends, and they really did live real lives. Uh, or live real lives. I mean, these are not people that God just kind of made up. Of course, he did make them, but it's not like it's not fictional. These are real people, and they corresponded just like us. And so in these letters, that's what these are, or we call, we call them books, but they're letters that Paul writes. And so at the end of them, he comes and he says, I want you to tell so-and-so to keep the faith. I want you to tell so-and-so this and give them a message. And so, you know, what we can gain from this is a lot how Paul encourages people, how he is leading people, how he is, uh, how he is making sure that he delegates responsibility among the church. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. But I think most of all, for all of us today, we have to know that this is real. These people are really living this, especially Paul at the very end when he says, I write this with my own hand. And he says that very phrase, probably because Timothy is writing down what he is saying. Paul is the, is the writer, but it's probably uh, he has some kind of person or a secretary writing it. So he finally writes this last sentence, and he says, I write this reading with my own hand. Remember my change, my chains. Grace be with you. And he's, you know, he's telling them, I'm in prison. That's where he is in this whole letter. I'm in prison, and I like still like to praise God in my circumstance. I think a lot of us are in circumstances right now where we struggle, and Paul is still able to teach and to love the Lord and to take the best out of what his circumstance is and to know that Jesus is ultimate in his life. And if you look back at you know that he's in prison, know that he's in chains and he's writing this letter and you go back and read it and say, wow, I can't believe he's saying that when he's literally in chains. That's a great thing. This is a very real man reading a very, uh, writing a very real book. There's a couple things that I want us to look back on in verse 2, uh, verse 2 through uh, 6. And there's basically two things I want you to get today before we get uh, to the Lord's Supper. And the first thing is uh, we have to be regular, regularly in prayer and watch with thanksgiving. <clears throat> so regular with prayer, uh, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And I have to come to a place, and I'm... I'm preaching on this, and I really obviously have a great bit of um, vulnerability right now. This is an area that I personally struggle in, and I know a lot, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, as, as the leadership goes, so, so goes the organization. And one of the things that we've always struggled with through the history of this church plant is our prayer life and our prayer life as a church. And so let me tell you, this is something that I'm personally working on. Uh, that I want my prayer life to be rich, and I want our prayer lives as a church to be rich. And I want us to be able to pray for those who need. I want us to be able to, to come before God in thanksgiving. I want us to be able to pray for the mission at hand. We're going to do a little bit of that today. Uh, but l- let me say this to you. I want to discipline myself so that we can have victory in Christ as we commune with him and as we communicate with him. And so I want us to, I want us to really get on our knees before God and really just have great communion with him and communication. Uh, and, and that's an area that I struggle with, but I'm coming to you today saying, I want to discipline my life in that way. And he says this, he says, watch and pray, which is very similar to what Jesus asked his disciples to do in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, watch and pray. Why does he tell you to watch? You know, a lot of us come with prayer requests. 
You know, you've ever submitted a prayer request to a group of people, or maybe you sat around and just, uh, you know, said, hey, I would like some prayer in this. I think the reason why he asks us to watch and pray is because I think a lot of us might submit that request, but then when it actually, when God actually answers that request, I think we probably attribute it to something else in our life and not God. I think there's a lot of us that need to make sure that we attribute things happening to what God has done through prayer and what God has answered. And I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty important. So as when you come to a place and you say, God, I really need this to happen in my life. I really need a job. And, you know, I really need, <clears throat> I really need our, my relationship with my, my wife to be better. I really want to, um, you know, start to really walk in my faith a little better. And when we come to a place where God begins to answer those prayers, let's make sure that he gets the praise and he gets the glory. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, watch and pray. And then he says, what? With thanksgiving. Who gets the thanks? Who gets the praise? It's God himself. I'm really looking forward to Joel kind of teaching us next week on what this whole Thanksgiving is and how we are to worship with thankfulness. So let's make sure that we watch uh, with that. And prayer is specifically our responsibility. There's two tips with prayer. I know this is kind of like a very quick little devotional on prayer, but two things I think that you can write down that are very important about prayer. Number one, uh, you know, pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. So how often should we pray? I don't know. But pray until something happens. Number two, specific prayers get specific answers. Specific prayers get specific answers. One of the worst things we can do is kind of be so general with our prayer life that, you know, we, we don't know when God answers because it's so general that we're not really sure if that's him or not. Does that make sense? So let's make sure that we pray specifically. Use names. Pray, pray in detail with God. Take that time to make, you know, you know, when you come before God in repentance, it's not, God, will you please forgive me of my sins? And then you just move on. Let's, let's get in detail about that. When you're praying for a neighbor, pray for that person by name. Pray that their needs are met and that they would come to know the Lord. That they would have an intimate relationship with you as well as with Jesus. Uh, so make sure those prayers are specific. So pray until something happens and specific, specific prayers get specific answers. Make sure that we're getting very detailed in our prayer. Here's what I want us to get. I mean, he, he moves very quickly past uh, this, this portion in Colossians. He just kind of very, very quickly says, continue steadfastly in your prayer. And then he moves to mission. He moves to what we are supposed to do as a church in, 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 our, in our lives. And he says this in verse, in verse 5. Walk in wisdom with outsiders, making the best use of our time. Here's what I want, here's what I want you to notice about this. Prayer is the only thing that happens, uh, that, that happens chronologically before mission. Get that. I want you to just kind of sit on that for a second. Prayer is the only thing that needs to happen chronologically before the mission of God. And here's what I mean by that. When, 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 Jesus, uh, when Jesus died and he, uh, he, uh, he resurrected, walked on the earth for 40 days, and then he was ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, wait and pray. Wait and pray. He didn't tell them to go build a building. He didn't tell them to go to seminary. He didn't tell them to go look for further teaching. He didn't, he didn't tell He just told them, wait and pray. And then 10 days later, he sends them out on mission. Isn't that amazing? Now, if we go, if we mix that up, 
If we go without any power, if we go without prayer, if we go without any communion with God. Now, I'm not saying that discipleship and training is a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. All I'm saying is that the only, the only thing that you need is communion with God. Communication with God. That's, that's the only thing that needs to happen before mission. So Paul says, watch and pray. Make sure you get your prayer life before your mission life. Make sure you get your prayer life together before you head on a mission. And I think us as a church need to get that right too. We need to pray before the mission. We need to pray for the mission, during the mission, after the mission. Prayer should be covered and soaked up inside of our mission work as a church. But that's the only thing that happens chronologically before the mission. And we need to make sure that we're on that. So verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom with outsiders, making the best use of our time. And let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You notice that, now, notice that he doesn't say, stay away from lost people. <laughs> he doesn't say, stay away from people that are not Christians. I, I think that we've gotten this a, a lot confused. He just says, walk in wisdom with them. Walk with them. Live with them. Live your lives with people. No, I think the worst thing is that we, that, we have, that we have created is this like kind of Christian subculture. We have Christian music, Christian bookstores, Christian television, Christian, uh, Christian phone books, Christian retreats, Christian softball teams, Christian schools. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with them. But what we have created, a negative impulse of that, is we've created a Christian subculture in which it's a giant bubble that we don't go outside of, and it's very, very hard for anybody to come within. And so we need to make sure that we are walking in wisdom with outsiders. And he gives us a little hint as to, as to how to do that. Let your speech uh, be gracious. Oh, well, let, me, let me catch this real quick. I mean, he says this, walking, uh, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. The Greek phrase there, making the best use of your time, is, is uh, I guess, tantamount or equal to buying up everything when it is available at a good deal. Okay? Now, a lot, a lot of us, uh, who, is there Black Friday shoppers? Anybody out there, Black? you can admit it. Black, <laughs> you know, like, you got to, like, wear elbow pads to, like, brawl with these people, Right? I mean, could you imagine, imagine, like the language here is, imagine if a car dealer just decided, you know, I'm going to sell every car of mine today for a hundred bucks. Every one of them. So just come and get it. First come, first serve. Right? There'd be a brawl in the car lot. And it it would be like, let me just gather every single one of them that I possibly can. And the language or the Greek language that, he, that Paul says is make sure you make use of every opportunity or uh, make the best use of your time. He's saying make sure you gather it up because it's a great bargain. Time with people that don't know Jesus is a priceless commodity. And we need to make sure that we use that time uh, in, in very, very good ways and make sure we do that. So let your, spe- let, let your speech be gracious, uh, seasoned with salt. Let's look at that. That's, um, basically what he's saying is you have to be gracious in the fact that you are able to spread grace or be able to spread the gospel. And at the same time, be a nice guy, right? Nobody likes a Christian jerk. Like, Nobody likes that, right? And especially like Christian jerks are the actually guys. And here, here's what I mean by the actually guy. And you, you might have one of these people in your office, right? Uh, if somebody like says, oh, this is heaven. Well, actually, 
heaven is a real place where God is sovereign, and you need to know Jesus. Let me tell you about that. You know, it's, it's the actually guy, right? right? Or somebody comes along and says, this is taking forever. Actually, eternity is a very long time and hell is very hot. You don't want to go there, right? I mean, so it's just like, I mean, there's the Christian jerk, right? Who has no ability to be, like, they're very socially awkward. We need to make sure that our speech is, is, is gracious with people, to be able to give them the gospel and be a nice guy. Uh, I mean, we can be gracious at the same time. Here's the deal. It's very easy, and here, I want you to get this. It's very easy for us to make a point. It's very difficult for us to make a, for, for us to make a difference. It's very easy for us as Christians to make a point. It's very difficult for us to make a difference in people's lives. So we need to make sure that we do that uh, in our Christian lives. And so what does it mean when our speech should be seasoned with salt? Meaning literally it tastes good. That, that people leave you and they, they like being around you. They enjoy your personality. There's some people I can't stand. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? I just, I, 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 can I ride in a car with you for a couple hours? Or it would just be incredibly annoying. How are we going to be seasoned with salt as Christians? Uh, you know, I, I believe right, right here, it, I, it's not sinful to bore people with the Bible, but it's really close, right? Um, it, it's really close. Let's make sure that, that God has changed and transformed our lives. Our message is rich. God has redeemed us. And that's something to be excited about. When we're up here singing, something to be excited about, right? God has taken us from complete death. And that's something to be humbled by and not proud by. God has given us redemption. And that's something to shout from the rooftops, Right? Something to be excited about in our Christian life. And so we should be gracious in our speech. We should be excited about what God is doing in our lives, in our church, in our community. And we should be able to tell people about that passionately. Can we do that? Will we do that? When Paul, when, when Paul concludes, make sure so that you might be able to get or you might uh, know how, to, how you ought to answer each person. The redemption story of the testimony that's in your own heart of what God has done in your life. That's what you need to tell them. And as we grow and as we learn and we learn more about his word, it just allows us to be more salty or the salt of the earth. I mean, I think Paul is just grabbing that teaching from Jesus that we taste good in our society. Right? That people are, we're not a hard pill to swallow. And that Christians are looked at as friends and people that we want to hang out with and be around. So let's tell that story. Let's tell about how Jesus is awakening our lives. Right? Let's do that. Let's pray together and we're going to uh, move to another section. Uh, Father, I pray that, um, that you would just be evident in our life. Father, that you would be the salt in our heart. Uh, Father, that you would be um, just the creator who loves us. Um, uh, Father, that you um, simply would um, allow us to have a discipline of prayer in our lives. Father, I repent of that in my own life. Bring me to my knees and allow me to remember coming to you in communication, thankfulness, petition, intercession, thanksgiving. Father, allow this church 
to be the salt of the earth in this community. Allow us to go out to penetrate the darkness and take responsibility with the gospel. In your name we pray. Amen.